uh, in our Bibles um, to the New Testament. And the only place we ever turn for the big word series, and that's Romans, and uh, Romans chapter 5 tonight, Romans chapter 5, and uh, we're looking tonight at reconciliation. We've looked at justification, we've looked at um, sanctification, that's, no, we haven't done that yet, we're going to do that soon. We've looked at um, the glorification, no, that's coming soon as well. Uh, we've looked at uh, various aspects of our salvation. Um, we've, we've talked about um, imputation. We've talk, there's, a, there's a graphic coming up. You'll see a lot more of them. I've forgotten them. But you, you, you understand what we're doing. We're looking at these big terms that, that, that explain something uh, of our salvation, and maybe in a different way, like looking at a jewel from another angle. And tonight we're looking at reconciliation. Reconciliation. Romans chapter 5. We're going to read from verse number 7. And um, just before we do, let's pray. Father, this is your word. Uh, We believe it's true. It's from the living God. And we uh, understand that that gives it an authority and a power beyond us. And we pray that you would speak to us and help us to understand. uh, And we pray these things in the name of the Lord Jesus Christ, uh, the word of God incarnate, our Savior. Amen. Romans chapter 5, verse number 7. For one will scarcely die for a righteous person, uh, though perhaps for a good person one would dare even to die. But God shows his love for us in that while we were still sinners, Christ died for us. Since therefore we have now been justified by his blood, much more shall we be saved by him from the wrath of God. For if while we were enemies we were reconciled, to God by the death of his son much more by the much more now that we are reconciled shall we be saved by his life more than that we also rejoice in God through our Lord Jesus Christ through whom we have now received reconciliation and let's turn over a couple of books to second corinthians and again chapter 5 second corinthians chapter 5 and we're going to read from verse number 16 2 Corinthians 5, verse 16. From now on, therefore, we regard no one according to the flesh. Even though we once regarded Christ according to the flesh, we regard him thus no longer. Therefore, if anyone is in Christ, he is a new creation. The old has passed away. Behold, the new has come. All this is from God, who through Christ reconciled us to himself and give us the ministry of reconciliation. That is, in Christ, God was reconciling the world to himself, not counting their trespasses against them, and entrusting to us the message of reconciliation. Therefore, we are ambassadors for Christ, God making his appeal through us. We implore you, on behalf of Christ, be reconciled, to God. For our sake he made him to be sin who knew no sin, so that in him we might become the righteousness of God. And a reading at the end 
of the chapter. Peace and reconciliation are words that have been heard often in this wee country of ours. We had the Forum for Peace and Reconciliation in the 90s. We had the Peace and Reconciliation Fund from where you could get grants for particular organizations. Those are words that we understand. Those are words that we know and have lived through. The idea that barriers and peace walls can be broken down has had mixed results over the 30 years and the time since that the troubles as we call them, but it's certainly good that we are no longer in the dark days and that we live in a time of peace. Uh, for yes, it's, it's not the troubles right now, uh, but of course we're never too far uh, from a political crisis in Northern Ireland. It's also not the Second World War uh, either, is it? Uh, yes, there are tensions in, in the Ukraine and that threatens to boil over, but it's, not, but it's far enough away for us not to think about it too much. I don't think it causes you too much sleep uh, de- deprivation. There's also war in Yemen, although that never makes the news so we can forget all about it. Uh, but we personally are on peacetime. But is that really true? Let's consider this evening that we are God's enemies. We are God's enemies. Uh, Are we, as human beings, basically good or basically bad? What do you think about that question? If you are in need, people will come to help you. I can testify to that recently. People came to help my family when we were in need. Uh, People do good things uh, for each other. Not everyone is in prison, only a small percentage. So there's no need um, to lock everyone up. Are we uh, basically good or basically bad? But can, let's ask this question, can anyone be good enough to merit a place with God in heaven, in his holy place? Or perhaps more subtly, can anyone make a contribution to their own salvation? Can we, using our neutral free will, decide whether or not to believe the gospel? Are we basically good or basically bad? The answer in the Bible is given by its concept of being an enemy of God, which is found in both of these passages, which I read uh, from the Apostle Paul's letters to a couple of churches back uh, in the first century, In the Romans passage, uh, where we'll mostly be spending tonight, perhaps you want to return back to Romans 5 for that reason. But in verse 10 in Romans chapter 5, it puts it like this, Paul puts it like this, for if while we were enemies, we were reconciled to God. We were is Paul's way of talking to Christians and explaining where we started, our starting point. Uh, and, and on that, he, we, we can change the tense then to, to tell you what, what the truth is, that we are God's enemies. That's how we begin. We declared war when Adam sinned. Uh, eating the forbidden fruit in that initial act of rebellion, Adam being the, the federal head of all of humanity, as we discussed on that night about, when we talked about imputation. His guilt rests on all of our heads, uh, and that war declaration exists in every one of us by nature, and it ripples right down through the generations. We are opposed to God. We are living in God's place, uh, his creation, and we don't even like him. Uh, he, having no delight in his, in his laws and his commands, we, we shake our fist and we think we know better, like those who hate their king or indeed prime minister. 
And we don't want a, a, a new leader situation. We, we sort of pretend that, but, but we don't really. No, we know the leader that we want. We look him or her in the mirror. We want to be in charge. That is our natural position. Uh, Romans 8 verse 7 says, The sinful mind is hostile to God. That's the way it's put in the 1984 NIV. We have, we have a new version of that, but that's the way it's put because that's, that's the, the best translation. But, but the ESV says that the mind that is set on the flesh is hostile to God. That's the idea. This hostility is called sin. This is how it, it shows itself. This is the root of it all. And this is true both by nature and also by action. We, we have this in us, uh, and it's in us deep, and it doesn't take very long for things that, that are so deep in us to show themselves. Theologians would say we are totally depraved. Now, that doesn't mean that we are incapable of ever doing a good thing at all. That's not what that means. For people do do good things. Uh, Oscar Schindler, not a believer, saved hundreds of Jews from the Holocaust. Harrogate College offer free hairdressing and manicures to job seekers who are attending a job interview and need help with their prospects. And my unsaved neighbour brought us around treats uh, to the house when we had COVID in our house in September. People can do good things, saved or unsaved. But what it does mean is that everything we do is tinged with sin. It's like, it's like glitter. If you've ever allowed children to do some crafting at your kitchen table and they've opened the glitter, you will understand because it gets everywhere and you'll find it for months and months to come. Our free will is affected too. It's not neutral, not at all. It's there in our nature. It's there when we act. We, we fight God in that. We're enemies. We're enemies, and it works both ways, for God is also hostile to us. Uh, Romans 1 verse 18 says, For the wrath of God is revealed from heaven against all ungodliness and unrighteousness of men who by their unrighteousness suppress the truth. God is angry. In James chapter 4 verse 4, we read that whoever wishes to be a friend of the world makes himself an enemy of God. And, and that is what we are. Each of us begins as a friend of the world. Friendly with the world and hostile to God who made the world. We don't want God to rule over us. All we like sheep have gone astray. We have turned everyone to his own way, says Isaiah chapter 53 famously. We are enemies of God. Secondly, reconciliation comes through Jesus. In Romans chapter 5, where we read in verse number 9, um, Paul has been speaking about our justification. Uh, we were in that verse before. Now, since therefore we have now been justified by his blood. We, we talked about that in earlier weeks. It's that legal judgment, justification, that legal declaration where we're declared in heaven's courtroom as righteous and good before holy God. But as Paul moves into verse number 10, he, he changes his emphasis. He's not now talking about justify, he's talking about reconcile. It's, it's different, isn't it? It goes from that legal term, that legal language, now to something that's much more, which much more personal, much more relationship language. Reconcile. 
To reconcile, I have it on the screen, means to bring together two hostile or estranged parties in order to make peace between them. And here we understand something important. Something important that teaches you, that we need to understand, is that relationship is important in the Christian faith. Do you know that other religions don't talk like that? I don't know if you realize that, but there are no categories or ideas of reconciliation in any Islamic or Sikh or Buddhist faith because they have no categories of, of, of relationship. No, no, their God is, is far off and, and he's not interested in a relationship. Why would he? You just, have to, you just have to appease him and placate him and offer him your good things. He doesn't want to know you. He doesn't care to do that, but not the God of the Bible. No, he cares about the state of your relationship with him, and he cares enough to start to finish, restore it. In our original state, our relationship is hostile. Verse 10 says, while we were enemies, time clause, while we were enemies, something happens. Something happens there, doesn't it? And we didn't walk a mile in God's shoes and see his point of view. We didn't meet him halfway. No, we're still in our original state of of nature, in our original state of, of acting out of that nature. And in that situation, God works. That's what verse 10 is telling us. Can we change ourselves? The Bible says no. And to confirm this, Elsewhere, well, it uses the language of a state of being that is unable to do anything. And that state is death. That's the language the Bible uses elsewhere to explain this to us. Ephesians chapter 2, very well-known passage. And you were dead in your trespasses and sins in which you once walked following the course of this world. That's an indication, right, of what we can do to sort out the problem ourselves following the course of this world, as a friend of the world, in rebellion against God, is not a place you or I can get out of. For it means we're spiritually dead, without a heartbeat, without a pulse. And the following verses tell us that we are without hope in the world as a result. And there are plenty of people in our world, in our locality, in our neighborhood, who are without hope, aren't there? I think the last two years has shown some of them to us. Some are scared to leave their homes, waiting for a virus to leave that is never going to leave, without hope. But we're not those without hope. In fact, it goes the other way entirely, because the news of what's happened to us causes us to have great joy. Verse 11 of Romans 5, more than that, we also rejoice in God through our Lord Jesus Christ, through whom we have now received reconciliation. It's a cause for joy. How do you bring warring parties together? Well, you need someone in the middle. You need someone who understands both sides. Jesus Christ brings about our reconciliation. He is the middleman. He's the Godman. He brings the warring parties to a peaceful conclusion. He's able to do that because he's both fully God and fully man. He's divine and he's human. He's he's at one with the Father. He's from heaven. And yet he's able to sympathize with our weaknesses and he's able to walk in our shoes, as it were, yet without sin. 
2 Corinthians 5, 18 to 19 is important here. Let me refer to it again. 2 Corinthians 5, 18 says, All this is from God, who through Christ reconciled us to himself and gave us the ministry of reconciliation. That is, in Christ, God was reconciling the world to himself, not counting their trespasses against them and entrusting to us the message of reconciliation. Who did it? Was it you? Was it me? No, all this is from God, Paul writes. It's a gift from God. If God, it's God being his gracious self with this on offer. And he does it through Christ, who through Christ reconciled us to himself. Jesus Christ reconciled us to himself and thereby we're reconciled to God. And we have the, the gospel put in that very interesting way in that verse 19 of 2 Corinthians 5. In Christ, God was reconciling the world to himself. God's doing it. Who did it? God did it. Reconciling the world to himself. And what's the result? By counting, by not counting their trespasses against him. Sinners' sins are not counted against him. They are not a factor in their destiny or punishment any longer. The warring parties can be at peace. The rebellion is over. How does this happen? Thirdly, notice that reconciliation requires death and life. Back to Romans 10, Romans 5, verse 10. For if while we were enemies, we were reconciled to God by the death of his son, much more now that we are reconciled, shall we be saved by his life. It doesn't just happen because God wants it to happen. No, a transaction has to happen. God's justice requires that payment be made. A transaction has to happen. Jesus has to die. He has to, he has to live the perfect life because we can't do it. And he has to die on our behalf to make the payment. And so it happens because the death, because of the death of Jesus. The peace between the warring sides. What happens when Jesus dies? The curtain is torn in two to show that the peace wall has come down. Okay, they're, they're, they're reconciled. But notice the way the end of that verse goes in Romans 5, verse number 10. I read this a few times and thought, what does that mean? I don't know if you ever um, read your Bible and think, I'm not quite sure what that means. Much more, now that we are reconciled, shall we be saved by his life. And if you're thinking, what does that mean? It's time to get help and trusted help. And so I, I, I had a look and I, and I looked at this verse. Because what it doesn't mean is that, is that you're, you're, you're saved and that's it. And on you go the rest of your life. One stop shop, we're finished. No, no, Paul's not saying that. He's looking into the future and he's saying there's more to this gospel, much more now, he says, much more now that we are reconciled, shall we be saved by his life? And he's, and he's, and he's sort of arguing from the lesser to the greater. And, and he's saying because Jesus rose from the dead by his life, his life, okay, you will continue to be saved by Jesus. There's more to come. There's, there's sanctification, there's empowerment, there's future glory that awaits for you. Much more. You'll be saved by his life. 
It's not, it's, not, it's not finished in the sense that you, the benefits of salvation, are you haven't received every one of them here and now and are, and, are, and, are, and are enjoying them. It's finished in terms of the cross, absolutely. And we'll talk about some more of those ideas in the weeks to come in our Big Words series. But, but I, look, I went to someone who I find helpful, and his name is Martin Lloyd-Jones. You might have heard of him. And he, um, he writes this about verse 10 of Romans 5. But even more, we are engrafted into him. We share his life. We draw life from him. We have to fight the world, the flesh, and the devil. It is true. But can they destroy us? Never. If he has died for us, he will not let us go. He will bring us through all this to the end, to the glory. If God could deal with the problems of justice and eternal righteousness by the death of his son, surely he is not going to be defeated by the lesser problem of the world and the flesh and the devil. No. Christ has already conquered them in his own death. He, he has put them to open shame. The devil has lost his power. Christ has triumphed and he is alive in the glory and we are in him. That is the argument. Much more shall we be saved by his life. We are joined to him. We are in him. We are members of his body, of his flesh and of his bones. That's what it means. It means we're with him. And we're saved by his resurrection life and are always going to be with him. Finally, notice reconciliation is our ministry tonight. In 2 Corinthians 5, verse 18 to 19, 18 to 21, we read, All this is from God, who through Christ reconciled us to himself and gave us the ministry of reconciliation. What does that mean? Well, let's keep reading because it tells us. That is, in Christ, God was reconciling the world to himself, not counting their trespasses against them, and entrusting to us the message of reconciliation. Therefore, we are ambassadors for Christ, God making his appeal through us. We implore you on behalf of Christ, be reconciled to God. For our sake, he made him to be sin who knew no sin, so that in him we might become the righteousness of God. What does it mean that we've been entrusted with the ministry of reconciliation? I wonder, have you ever been entrusted with something important? Perhaps your grandmother entrusted her engagement ring to you to, to keep and to pass down through the generations. Or perhaps you've been entrusted as the executor of someone's last will and testament and you know someday uh, the solicitor is going to be uh, ringing you or sending you a letter Jesus entrusts you with something greater. His message, his light, his gospel. The message of sins forgiven. The message of how to be at peace with God. The life or death message that everyone needs to hear. We are his ambassadors. Paul uses that word, doesn't he? What's an ambassador? Well, an ambassador is someone from a, a country who lives in, a, in another country representing the needs, the views, the way of life of the, the sending king or parliament. They're important. They're, they're usually given a, a diplomatic passport. And, and what they say matters because it's as if it comes from the government or king that sends them, that they represent. And so it is with the gospel ambassador. Because the gospel ambassador represents the country of heaven here on earth. We represent our king and we come with his message. And the message has his authority. 
God making his appeal through us, we implore you on behalf of Christ, be reconciled to God. That's what you're supposed to do with people that you meet. To implore them to be reconciled with God. But didn't you say we couldn't decide to be saved? What are you talking about? We're imploring people to be reconciled to God? How can we do that? When we're dead. When we can't decide in, in and of ourselves that, to make peace with God. Or we can only, see, we can only decide when God is at work by his spirit and the Holy Spirit is moving already. But, of course, the Holy Spirit, as John 3 tells us, only move, moves as he wills. We, we can't tell. That it's just like the wind blowing. We don't know where it's coming or where it's going at times. But we do know, but we do know that we have to implore men and women to be reconciled with God. God is in the background at work, even though you might think you decided. He is the one who is at work in our hearts. What is required, rather, is that we recognize and accept the work of reconciliation as being complete. That's what's important. Perhaps you're here tonight and these things seem unknown to you. That um, relationship we speak of is unknown to you, and so we implore you to be reconciled with God. And of course, we as Christians are to be reconciled with each other. That's another truth, isn't it? We're not going to deal with that tonight, but that's also true. We are to be at peace with our brothers and sisters in Christ. Uh, We are not at peace Right now on the 6th of February 2022 in Northern Ireland, we are part of a world war that is going on and has been raging since the beginning. And Jesus comes and and he brings the warring parties to peace by reconciling us to himself. And so God is at work in bringing us to reconciliation with him. By the death and by the resurrection of Jesus, our sins are not counted against us any longer. The war is over. We have have waved the white flag. We have surrendered. We have claimed Christ. And with what has happened to us, we are armed with the message the same message which impacted us. And we go out with the ministry of reconciliation, the gospel. And we seek to bring others into that same peace with God that they so desperately need. Reconciliation. Another way to look at the gospel. Another way to understand the work of Christ in our hearts. Let's bow our heads together in prayer our father thank you for reconciling us to yourself in Christ because otherwise we carry on the war and it exists for all of eternity that enmity between us thank you for bringing us to peace terms in Jesus by his death by his resurrection life as your word teaches us. And thank you that 
in Christ Jesus, we have received that same ministry to reach out to others. Remind us, Father, that we do not walk past mere mortals in the street. We do not work across the desk from someone who is just an ordinary person. We work and meet people who are living, breathing image of God and will live for all of eternity and are currently, if unsaved, at war with God. Give us the eyes to see, Father. Give us the courage to speak. Gently, yes, with gentleness and respect. But Father, let us not shirk from our responsibility as carriers of the message. Thank you for those who carried it to us. Thank you for those who prayed for us. Thank you for those who shared with us the gospel and the ministry of reconciliation. And may we as your people be the hands, your hands and feet who serve you here in this place and at this time. And we pray this in Jesus' name. Amen.